Hello, everyone. My name is Jörg Tittle, and I have a little production company called Oifi in London, and we make films and games and comics and all sorts of cool stuff. And uh, welcome to the Sega Lounge. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, a podcast dedicated to our love for all things Sega, be it the games, the music, or the community. I'm KC. In each episode, I'll be talking to different guests and sharing their projects and their passion for Sega. Welcome back to the Sega Lounge. This is episode 146, aka episode 8 of the current season of the show. It's crazy, I know, but we've been back for two months now. Time continues to move on at an alarmingly fast rate. It is now April, somehow. I'd like to once again let you know that you can suggest potential guests, as well as topics for a documentary-style episode like the best of Sega in 2021. I've got one of those lined up for very soon, so stay tuned. I've also received a couple of interesting suggestions I'm looking into as we speak. As per usual, you can reach me at podcast at thesegalounge.com or by dropping me a message on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. And now that that's out of the way, let's talk about this week's guest. I am very excited. This week, it's a privilege for me to be joined by Jorg Tittle, former writer for the official Dreamcast magazine in the US, as well as a massive Sega fan and currently a game developer. Listen on as we talk about Jorg's experiences with games from a tender age, and I react live to the teaser for his upcoming game, The Last Worker, which hadn't been announced when we recorded the interview, but now it has. Time travels. Hello, Jorg. Welcome Hello. to the Sega Lounge. Thank you very much. Very nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. How are you? Doing well? I am, you know, I am fine, considering that uh, the world is a bit of a, I don't know, um, interesting place at the moment. Um, the weather is surprisingly sunny for London standards, and and so I've got less to complain about than I usually do. So I'm all right. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. That's how I, I like my guests, feeling all right, feeling ready for, for a nice chat here on, on the lounge. Uh, so you're, you're basically, and I, I was looking at some, some you know, background info, uh, I hired a, a private detective. Yes. Um, yeah, to do a background check and stuff. And um, you're basically a citizen of the world, I think, right? So yes. So you've been all all over the place doing all sorts of interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was born I was born in Belgium because uh, my dad uh, was uh, working at the European Commission um, in Brussels, and uh, and then and my mom is uh, Polish and she's a composer and uh, and yeah. So I, I grew up between Belgium and France, and then. And then I moved to New York at the tender age of 17 to like study at 
NYU and New York University, and I studied theater there while working as a video game journalist, and perhaps we could talk about that later. And mm-hmm. um, and then, um, yeah, and then I moved, after that, I moved to LA, and I worked at Activision, and was a budding screenwriter there, and then I met my, my wife, uh, Alex, there, and then we started doing some plays and films and stuff, and now we're still making plays and films and other things, and now we're in London, and... Uh, yeah, and so yeah, totally citizen of the world. Our kids, uh, two of them, we have are you know a quarter of everything because my wife is half British, half American. So, so yeah, I don't know where I belong, um, but uh, <laughs> but I've, I've you know I've been born into this planet. So I guess uh, that's that's what I am. I'm one of those Earthlings. <laughs> it's been a wild ride for sure. Yes, it seems. Yeah, awesome. So um, before we get into the whole you know professional. Uh, experience. Uh, would you like to tell us a bit about your history with video games in general? Just, not just Sega, but how did you? Because you, you've obviously been uh, connected to video games, you know, for probably what is most of your, uh, your professional life, right? Well, definitely for most of my sort of conscious life, I think. Um, okay. I mean, I, I, st- I remember that as a kid. Uh, I had this uh, this friend at school, and he uh, he invited me to his house, and uh, we were tiny, and and he had pong in the basement, and uh, and uh, and I was just completely mesmerized by this by these you know two little bars going up and down, and that little white dot you know moving back and forth on the screen. And I was like, wow, this is so much fun. I love this, and. Um, and, uh, and I sort of uh, talked my my dad into buying us a computer, which was a some sort of two eighty six processor Intel sort of <laughs> disaster with like twenty megabyte hard drive, uh, literally. Uh, and uh, and on that, that's when I started playing the first first games on that, uh, while also like having a Commodore sixty four and playing things like Turrican and things on that and. Remember loading things, games on tape, and waiting forever for that sort of fax machine sound to finally, <laughs> finally load a game or not. Um, and uh, and there, then, there was uh, always, always the, the doubt, right? So you never knew if it would work or not, if the, the game would load or not, right? You you never knew, and then you'd sort of like you have this tape deck, and you go like <laughs> go through it, and and then finally, you know, I I st- and we'll never forget the, the the day when we had this crappy used C sixty four system, and and we popped this tape in there, and it just been lent to us by a friend, and it said Turrican on it. And we loaded in there and it started up and this voice, a voice came out of it and it said, welcome to Turrican. And we're like, oh my God, the computer (laughs) speaks. You know, we were completely blown away by this idea that there could be something other than beeps coming out of a computer. So um, so that was uh, magical. And then, you know, and then I really got into into Sega very, very early. I mean, I, I was... Uh, I, I, I didn't get into the Master System, actually, because uh, all, all my friends at school had Nintendos, and I was always a bit of a contrarian. Uh, but So eventually I got my hands on, um, on, a, on a Mega Drive, uh, a CDX, actually, was the sort of uh, the Mega Drive-Sega CD sort of combo, mm-hmm. uh, and also a Game Gear, uh, the Game Gear, which is with its notoriously bad battery life. But I remember taking that to... To sort of on summer holidays and then dreading that, you know, being up a mountain with my parents or whatever and you know, echo the dolphin ha- making it halfway through a level or whatever. And it is sort of running out on me and, and, uh, and having to do it all over <laughs> again the next day. And, um, and of course, all the games were so brutally hard on Game Gear as well, uh, that, uh, <laughs> the, the battery life didn't help. 
but no, I was I was completely uh, I, I loved it, and I, and I uh, so so I was uh, very much a Sega kid um, from early on, um, and uh, and on PC, uh, you know, Secret of Monkey Island, for instance, is, is still a game that to this day, you know, I like to revisit. I'm actually going to I've set some time aside for a weekend aside with my daughter where I can actually watch her play it and sort of discover it again through her eyes. It will be so much fun, you know, to see see her sort of trying to figure out a way through that crazy story and all this awesome humor and stuff so yeah it was um yeah games are very much a big part of my life and not and then and i couldn't not then you know make that part of my professional life either because i i enjoy it so much so uh and it's uh yeah and, and especially during this pandemic for the last year you know I, I don't know what i would have done without games you know uh, oh for sure yeah so yeah so i have i have a lot to to thank games for for sure mm -hmm. excellent uh and so you were I don't know, maybe always an art, uh, kind of an artistic person in a way, because you're, you've been linked to video games and you're uh, writing plays and, and movies and stuff. So do you consider yourself to be a, an artistic person? Was that something that you envisioned yourself doing when you... Uh, you know, were older as a kid. Oh yeah, always, always. I mean, as a kid, I wanted to be Sean Connery when I'm older. Um, I've, <laughs> I've, I've failed uh, at being Sean Connery because um, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he was cool. And I, but I'm, I'm starting to be able to grow a, a good beard now, so I'm, I'm almost Sean Connery. So I'm, you know, <laughs> my, 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 my life goals is, and hopefully, I can be a bit friendlier than Sean Connery to people. But. Um, but yeah, uh, so so yeah, I definitely wanted to be James Bond as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, I don't have the physique. So, uh, so was, but but I, I did study acting and and, and I did uh, quite a lot of lovely stuff uh, in New York. But I I, I hated the, the the lifestyle so much. The idea of being judged on some sort of casting couch in like five seconds by some casting director or whatever was just too too depressing a life for me i uh, didn't want to do it so i'd rather tell actors what to do and judge them in five seconds so that of was uh, that was yeah, uh, yeah but uh, <laughs> which i actually don't do either um but um but no i i uh, my mom is an amazing composer film composer and classical composer and stuff and i and while i am musical i i felt like because i'm quite a naturally competitive person i didn't want to have to compete with her because that would have been rather difficult. Um, um, so I thought, you know, one day I want to tell my mom what to do. I'll hire her to be a composer in one of my things, uh, which <laughs> I've done a few times actually on plays and, and on, on, a, on our first feature that we actually did with my, my wife, The White King. Um, my mom wrote the score for that, which is absolutely gorgeous. And, uh, and yes, yeah, so, so I, I was very much born into an artistic family always wanted to be in and around storytelling of, of, of any kind. And, and, uh, and to me games, even as a kid, you know, I mean, I, it, what's been interesting to me is like, uh, uh, like growing up, you know, seeing games from Pong, you know, across the, you know, eight bit, 16 bit and beyond eras, uh, you, you could see the gradual evolution of, of that art form. And, um, and, and I, I knew that one day, you know, games would be the ultimate form of storytelling. I, and I, and I, and I do, and I do think that I, I, I'm absolutely adore film as an, as an art form. And, and we're making some beautiful films at the moment. But uh, there's just the, the, the games are sort of the perfect blend of 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 uh, of film narrative, but also theater. The idea of uh, sort of engaging the audience and making them become a part of it. The 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 idea of uh, 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 
you know, really truly immersing people inside of stories was so exciting to me. And I, and I was truly immersed as a kid, you know, even with the crappiest, most pixelated graphics and, yeah. and, and bleepy sounds. I was, I was in there and, and perhaps, you know, others didn't see it, but I, I was, to me, it was like reading a book and, and reading between the lines and, and imagining, imagining the world beyond those lines uh, uh to me games i had very much that same experience I, I was you know to to me still to this day you know as i mentioned secret of monkey island for instance i mean that game still looks better in its original pixel graphics form because i'm projecting a far more beautiful world onto it in my mind than in their sort of remastered hd version in which i feel that actually lost the uh, the charm of the original so mm-hmm. um so anyway yeah to to me that, uh, that's actually that's actually a, a good point that you know uh, comparing the the pixel art the pixelized games the look of games from from old uh, to to reading a book because you have to imagine uh, the rest right you, you, you when you're reading a book you're just reading a description no matter how descriptive the author is you really have to paint the the picture in your mind with of what that real world looks like of what it what the people look like and stuff so comparing that to our old pixelized games that's actually a, a, something that i never thought about yeah I, I i mean that's that's what that's why we we're seeing such a massive resurgence of uh, uh, of not just pixel art, but but really hyper stylized games in in the indie world mainly, but indies are now becoming you know for many people the new mainstream because you know there's in a way you can put the sort of AAA titles in a sort of separate drawer and and some people are into it and a lot of them are now landing straight on the sub- subscription services like Game Pass and whatever. So, so they're almost starting to lose lose their value as well. Okay, fine. Here's another EA thing or whatever. Um, yeah. But, but there's something about. I mean, look at take a look at Loop Hero for instance, which was just released last week by uh, by or this week by Devolver. Um, you know, and they sold five hundred thousand copies in a week, which is insane. I mean, that game is is graphically extremely primitive and very very consciously so. And mm-hmm. uh, but it's doing some really truly new things with with uh, with game mechanics and and stuff uh, and uh, and people are are eating it up. So I think there is actually a sort of yearning uh, from people to have something that isn't trying to emulate reality. First of all, our, the real world sucks. So it's like I don't I don't know why I'd want to <laughs> at the moment. So so I don't know why I'd want to have a game simulate what the real world looks like. I and there's also. Something profoundly unimaginative about it. Oh, look, isn't this ray tracing realistic? Doesn't this reflection look so real? It's like, yeah, but, you know, the real world looks real. I can just step outside the front door and experience that. Like when I play a game, I want to be taken somewhere else. I want to actually see a singular vision uh, uh, that, that is that is truly transporting me to something I've never experienced before. And to me, that's what... Uh, those games were doing in the past because I didn't have a, you didn't have a choice you you had to transport yourself somewhere you, you'd never been because you had to interpret visuals and and worlds and animation and all that stuff into the pixel art now everything is being sort of spoon fed to you on this sort of silver platter with shiny graphics and everything looks absolutely realistic and blah 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 and it's mm-hmm. all incredibly boring repetitive and generic um, and the thing that I always really really appreciated about Sega 
was that they were actually putting originality over and above everything else. Like so, if you so if you take a look at uh, the the Saturn games that Sega was releasing, and especially the Dreamcast, bless it. Like the, the the games that were coming out of Sega Studios were so different, each and one of them so incredibly unique in its visual style and its and its approach to sound. I mean, take you know to have a, a, the same game company release Panzer Dragoon and Crazy Taxi and Choo Choo Rocket and Burning Rangers, you know, uh, all in the same breath was extraordinary. And uh, and none of those games tried to be real, like. All of them were going and res, and all of them were going for for style and expression and an impression, um, and I think that is just so exciting, and I, and I think and that's why uh, I think there will be a resurgence, not just of Sega's titles and those ideas, but there's a whole new generation of. Uh, of, 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 of developers, you know, even though I'm relatively old compared to a lot of young developers, you know, there's a lot of us who actually grew up on that, were blown away by those games. Now we're like, I want to bring back what it felt like to play games like that, to discover something truly original that was new and unique and, and, uh, and fresh and wasn't trying to be mainstream, but it was also trying to be incredibly fun at the same time. And, yeah, uh, for sure. And that's Sega to me, you know? I was actually I I sometimes stream on on Twitch and um I was uh, streaming the other night um playing Sonic the Hedgehog three yeah uh, and I I was talking to my viewers and and mentioning that the Marble Garden Zone uh you know I I I get this this whole a bunch of sensations when I play uh, Marble Garden Zone, remembering that there's a nostalgia, but there's also I I can really picture myself playing that as a, as a like eight or nine year old. Uh, I can feel the smells, the the sounds, the the temperature, the sun on my face. It's like almost like something poetic, but it's really what the that particular part of that game, uh, you know. Uh, Remember, reminds me of, and uh, there's a whole lot of, of sensations that I, I feel when I when I play certain games, and I don't think modern games, as you said, you know, more realistic type games, and which are probably more, you know, um, are you you pick them up, you play them, may, even if they're, they're very long games that you play for tens of hours, but they don't have that lasting effect on you, perhaps. That no, older no, games, I, retro I, games had. I agree, uh, but I mean, there are some who do it. I mean, there are some games that do it now. I mean, Inside, for instance, is a game when I played it. I, was, I, I, st- I can still, I can still, rem- I see myself, uh, you know, experiencing some of those really, really memorable, stunning moments of Inside for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, Papers Please. I can totally still. Uh, uh, you know, I cherish the moment when I first played it and went, "Wow, the music that." That uh, uh, the, the ironies and built into the storytelling, the uh, the uh, the, the uh, you know the, the fir- discovery of the first sort of corrupt thing you can do uh, in order to feed your family, all those things. So there, there are some games out there that you know Firewatch. You know, I will. You know, I had a very special time with that game um, when it came out. Um, so there are some titles that. That will come out. Uh, Interestingly or, or, enough, you didn't yeah. mention any AAA titles in there. 
in that answer. No, that no, I, I think I think the closest the, the closest thing to a AAA title I'd go to probably uh, is is either Control, which you know it is technically a AAA game in terms of the size of the team, and mm-hmm. um, uh, but it you know was kind of indie in the way it was published, but it had a huge budget. Yeah, I, I love that title, and I think that's a very, very unique title, and uh, it's a great game and uh, well told, beautifully art directed, um, and yes, it has ray tracing, but it's not, <laughs> but it's not, <laughs> but but uh, but then uh, you know, but you know, Yakuza like a dragon is a triple A title. I mean, it's not a, it wasn't it wasn't made by by a small team, uh, but it's uh, but it has that Sega spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Literally, of course, uh, but uh, but it's it's not afraid to be weird, and it's not afraid to be quirky, and it's not mm-hmm. afraid to be sort of uh, and to have moments of extreme sort of realism, like for instance, the moment where he's sort of eating a piece of bread, and you see a sort of you know not, not, you know like realistic bread stretching mechanics <laughs> animated by a team, and then the next moment it goes into some really weird clunky sort of running animation. You go, of course, because it's because why not? Like why yeah, does it exactly. why does everything have to be polished in this? It's not about that. It's supposed to make you laugh, and 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 also it's it's bringing you into the creative process. Of, of 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 the people who made it it's a, there's a lot of winks in there but it's never never in a sort of annoying look at me i'm doing this cool thing now kids but it's just like ah, we're we're just exploring something and we're and we're free and we're creative and we're we're having fun and we hope that you share in it with us um i really appreciated that so i think no i mean that there are some big budget things uh and and big team titles out there that you know of course impress me incredibly and you know i'm 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 blown away by what uh what hello games did with no man's sky you know i you know i think it's a game that could 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 for me could have used more of a narrative i i i felt sort of uh lost Lost, in it and i didn't quite know what I'm supposed to be doing, and but some people want to be lost in a game and want to spend hours and hours and days and days grinding and and sort of mining whatever the hell they do in it, uh, and that's cool. But I, I I I I love the fact that they committed to this vision and they took that all the way and they're still you know building it up and 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 then and then there's some incredible things like like that are coming out of uh, out of that kind of spirit with like dreams you know um, mm-hmm. by uh, Media Molecule which is utterly genius piece of software created by some of the nicest people on earth and uh uh and we are actually working with them on something pretty secret at the moment but they're they're uh but they're you know to me that is just pure joy and uh uh, what they're doing and also it's 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 demystifying game development uh it's demystifying creation it's getting rid of all the bullshit middlemen that uh, uh, that triple A has actually sort of like I'm a specialist in this and like you need to have these people in between you need to have a freaking IT department and all this kind of nonsense um, <laughs> like you it it gets rid of all of that it makes it so the the idea it just goes it takes the if you have if you have an idea and you have the patience and the perseverance perseverance to share it with the world now you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exciting because, in a way, that's what Sega was doing with its internal teams. Uh, you know, they weren't allowing "quote unquote" amateurs in to do it. Uh, they had 
the highest, the most skilled developers uh, in the world at the time, you know, in the Dreamcast era, for instance. But what they did to them is like, you guys have the freedom to be, you know, to be Tetsuya Mizuguchi's team, to be Sega Rosso, to be, uh, to be all these, to be WoW, to be all those different teams and just do the thing that you want to do the most and do it all the way with no apologies. Let's go. Yeah. And, um, and I think that spirit we have now in the indie world mm-hmm. and, and I don't think the indie world would exist if it hadn't been for that era. And I think they, I think they, they created that spirit as far as I'm concerned. I think it's really, uh, Sega, we have a lot to thank them for. For sure. For sure. Agreed. And that's the perfect segue into talking about what of your experiences, uh, related to, to Sega, which was working, uh, in the official Dreamcast magazine in the US, right? Yeah, I, uh, I was, cause when I was studying at New York University, um, in, uh, what in New York? Um, cause that's what it's called. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, you know, New York is an extremely expensive place to be. And it was just a few weeks into being there that I realized I, I really am not going to be able to afford this very well. <laughs> and, uh, and I felt bad sort of asking my parents for money and things like that. And, and so I was really quite sort of homesick as well, because I just moved there and I didn't know anyone. And I was sharing this dorm room with this pothead and it was all very annoying. <laughs> and, um, and so I went down into sort of in the, in the basement, um, of the, which was a sort of a computer room in my dorm. And, uh, and, uh, and I went online and I sort of being homesick, I sort of, um, Googled, which wasn't Googled, I think I geocityed or whatever the hell it was back then, <laughs> uh, a website, uh, uh for a, a German video game magazine that I used to read, uh, called Maniac. And, um, and so I, I Googled them and I sort of sent them a message saying, Hey, you know, I used to read you all the time and I used to send you cheat codes. I don't know if you remember, but I, cause they had this like monthly cheat code contest. Like if you found a cheat in a game, you could send it in and it sent you real cash. So I'd actually oh. make lots of money, like just getting cash from <laughs> this German magazine. But I had, I had this, I probably shouldn't say this because, because they'll, they'll, they'll probably sue me, um, uh, 20 years, 25 years or whatever later. But, <laughs> but I, the way I would cheat the cheat code contest is I would actually buy Famitsu magazine. Um, <laughs> and since the games in Japan came out about six months before the European release. Yeah. I would just like scout. I understood left, right, A, B, and C. It was pretty easy to spot, even through all the Japanese signs. And I'd then try that out in the in the in the European versions. And of course, they'd all work because you know they didn't bother changing them. Yeah. And so I instant. So on the day, I was like, boom! And so I'd always get in there. I did. It's like, and yeah, I still remember. It's like, oh, there's Jurgen Brussels again. You know, with one of his coats. How does he do it? I was like, oh, I won't tell you. So. <laughs> But anyway, so I, so I emailed them and then they said, well, it's funny you should uh, contact us because we're actually looking for a U.S. correspondent. And maybe, you know, uh, if you're so passionate about it, maybe you can help us in the U.S., maybe talking to some people there and stuff. And and so I um, I started talking to 
you know, approaching developers on like ICQ, which is like this chat program. I sort of mm-hmm. like cold email people and whatever, and and they'd respond. And then and so I've I've actually made some of the greatest friendships uh, still to this day during that time. You know, I'd I'd meet people like Dean Carter, who 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 found who created Fable. You know, and uh, he now lives in in uh, in San Francisco. But uh, and at the time, you know, so he was uh, he was working. He he was uh, he had big blue, big blue box, uh, which then later became part of Lionhead and uh, with his brother uh, Simon uh, and and all these lovely people and um, and so and then there were a couple of sort of Sega exclusive in that and I can't remember which my which my favorite my favorite my first one would have been but um, and that got me the attention of Next Generation magazine which was uh, Edge's sister magazine in the US it no longer exists sadly um, but it was run by a few very interesting people, like one of them being uh, Chris Charla, who's now uh, the head of um, ID at Xbox, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of dear friends to this day uh, were, were working there. And then um, and one of them was also a guy called Simon Cox, who uh, became the editor uh, along with Francesca Reyes of the official Dreamcast magazine, and they and they asked me to write for them, and and I jumped at the chance because Sega was really my 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 favorite thing in the world, really um, outside of theater and being on stage and and uh, and dreaming up films and things like that. Uh, you know, um, Sega games were really my 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 happy zone, my sort of happy place. And as I said, when I felt homesick, the thing that I really really that that I comforted myself with was just thinking back at, at at games and um yeah and then and that's how it started with with official dreamcast magazine and i uh and that was a it was a great time because i got to yeah. meet you know tetsuya mizuguchi and and oh, my my now sadly late late friend shinya nishigaki who 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 did blue stinger and then uh uh, uh ill bleed and mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of other uh, you know, Frédéric uh, Renal, who did uh, Toy Commander and uh, was working on a game called Agartha, which sadly never saw the light of day. And um, I mean, amazing stuff. And uh, yeah. so all these friendships and all these things came out of that time. So it's, it's a great time. So what sort of work did you do that? Did you review games and uh, cover the news and talk to publishers? Never. I, I never, never, ever, ever reviewed a game in my life. Um, and uh, even though I was asked to all the time, but I, I refused to review uh, other people's work because I said, uh, A, I was always planning on making a game one day. Um, so I would hate the idea of, of, uh, of having that uh, torn apart. And, but also, like, I, I, you know, until I've made one myself, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm an artist, like, by heart. I don't want to, I don't want to criticize other people's work. I, I do, I'm very critical of other people's work. Uh, but who am I to, to, to share that in print, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, in this, with the circulation of 40,000 or whatever? Uh, and that was before the internet where everyone now has an opinion and millions of followers and trashes things left and right. But I always, I felt that was such a, facile and and useless way uh, to spend your energy um you know if you don't like it play something else or make something yourself uh and i do value criticism very much and i think critic crit i think you know criticism is actually also a, an art form but it wasn't one that i wanted to pursue um but I, it, it uh, has to be constructive otherwise if, if it's yeah. just trashing something just for the sake of trashing and for the yeah, sake of exactly. Viewers but this, or follows or whatever. 
But there's plenty of people out there who do that, and, and but who, who don't necessarily trash, but who critique and who can review games brilliantly, and and it's an and it's an essential uh, job uh, very much, and uh, and it's great. And I just didn't want to be that person. Uh, I, I didn't I, don't, I didn't think I would be particularly good at it because I'm a total lovey. So when I love something, I uh, I adore it, and and when I don't like something, I'd rather not engage really because it's wasting my time. So uh, although there's some things that are so bad that they're great, uh, but then I. I don't, <laughs> but I don't think I could make a career of like like writing sarcastic sort of game reviews. So, uh, although of course now the whole internet exists uh, because of that kind of stuff. But whatever. Um, um, but yeah, I, I didn't want to do it. But the thing that I was really interested in was the people behind the games. And so the thing that I was always asking all my editors was, can I please interview this person and do a six-page article <laughs> where I just talk to this guy about it or this or this lady or talk, talk to Amy Hennig or whatever and talk to them for like pages and pages and pages about their creative process. And they're like, well, people aren't really interested in that was usually the answer. It's like, oh, we don't really have the, the space for that and whatever. And I said like, well, cool. Well, then why, why don't we do this? Why don't you put one page of that in the magazine and we put the other five on the website and then you have a reason to actually send people to the website and so so i was doing that quite a lot and uh, and that was fun because i actually got to have these incredible you know philosophical or creative exchanges with with amazing people and it was also a fantastic excuse for me to actually meet my heroes so yeah. <laughs> so that was so yeah did, that was my did that in any way those experiences those conversations shape uh the sort of you know creative work that you did afterwards did you take I, anything away from that i must have done i mean you know i think you take uh you know i mean i you know van Herzog, the great german director uh you know when people ask him how you know what do you need to do in order to become a good filmmaker and and he says read 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 um uh, and mm -hmm. uh and uh, and i think the same applies to to games i i i i i get inspiration from everything uh but uh and actually probably the least from games probably the most from uh from the world around me and from uh from you know horrible politicians and um and 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 history and uh uh and uh and and film and literature and all these things um so Uh, but but yeah, of course. I mean, I think the thing that was the most valuable from all these people was were, were the ones that would pursue their own vision with confidence and with passion and with persistence. Uh, and that is something that that you really have to learn early because this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And uh, and in order to do something ambitious, it requires years and years of developing the right language, develop, developing the right techniques of like getting people on board that, that you, uh, you feel are, are the best at, at their job and to speak their language, you yourself have to prove yourself first. So for me, it's been a long journey because I'm only, you know, I'm now not only, I'm actually a very old, you know, in my forties, early forties. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, so, so we'll I'm, take me there. Yeah. I get what you mean, I get what you mean. I get, yeah. Yeah, welcome. But, uh, sad. <laughs> my lawn. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it. But it's. But now I'm. You know, I feel like when I approach someone that I adore and and whose work is great, and I I feel like I make a good case of getting them on board, then I'm 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 now able to usually you know make them an ally. You know, mm -hmm. and and that's and that's I'm I'm really and I think and it 
and I saw an Amy Hennig and, and, and Tetsuya Mizuguchi and, uh, and Renal or, or Eric Chai, for instance, who uh, is also an absolute genius. Uh, you know, all these people always, they had that knack, that talent, um, uh, of, uh, of both, you know, pursuing their own visions, but also sometimes when it came down to it, sometimes they also just working on them alone. Um, I mean, Eric Chai, for instance, uh, being the, um, uh, creator of uh, of things like another world or out of this world and uh, and then later on he made this game heart of darkness uh which i absolutely loved on playstation it took him six years to make that game and i actually interviewed him about like maybe two years into the process and then again four years into the process and when i talked to him four years into the process he was he no longer had his team the whole team deserted him and he was just working on the game alone in the, in a completely vacated studio in paris and um and in the end the game came out and uh, and some of the original members rejoined and uh, but it was a, it was a nightmare but uh and yeah and the game probably wasn't a big commercial success uh but he certainly still makes amazing games to this day um and uh, like paper beast i don't know if you've played that in on psvr uh or uh, i haven't systems. yeah but i've heard oh, of it's, it yeah it's gorgeous and uh, so yeah, meeting, hearing these stories, like was these life stories was in a way more important than, you know, looking at their art and going like, I want to copy that. I want to do that thing. Um, which is how a lot of people seem to be approaching, you know, either f- making movies or games. You say, Oh, I'm just going to copy crazy taxi and call it taxi chaos or. Uh, <laughs> You know, or oh, I'm going. I'm going to like. Oh, they haven't made Jet Set Radio for a while, so I'm going to make this uh, boom shakalaka boom bong game. You know, which looks exactly <laughs> like it. It's like, dude, like, do you have an original idea in your head? Like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you can convince Sega to get you the license, and then, and if not, then you're not good enough for it. Um, then do something else. Um, so yeah, so I think um, yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 going off on a tangent, but uh, yeah, but, but so, yes. So- so to get things back on track, do you have any like uh, experiences or if you could just pick one moment uh, from working uh, in the magazine and, you know, meeting all these amazing people that you cherish to this day as one of the most amazing things that happened uh, during your time at, at Dreamcast magazine? You know, there was one moment that I will never... Uh, I mean, there were many, there were so many, but there's one moment um, that turned into a really dear friendship that I that I will forever cherish. And that was um, when I'd first got wind of this game Illbleed being in development and uh, and it looked so insane, the sort of B-movie uh, uh, slash horror sort of with weird humor thing that was being made by by the guy who who had before that made blue stinger which was fantastic on on dreamcast um i i approached him and he was in japan uh shinya nishigaki and and he and he replied in in very uh, uh very rough english um because he didn't speak it very well at all and and so he was started talking to me via translator and then I said I really, really wanted to do an article about that for um, um, for, for the official Dreamcast magazine. And not only did I did up being an article in official Dreamcast magazine, it became the cover article of official Dreamcast magazine. And he was so so grateful for that because he didn't have a U.S. publisher yet at the time. And so so this got him a U.S. publishing deal. And 
uh, and it became this cult thing because everyone started talking about Illbleed. And then, and then Shinya was so grateful for that. He surprised me one day and created a character that was named after me, not just named after me, but also looked exactly like me in the game, exactly like my 18 year old version at the time. Um, and uh, what, the, the last name was changed from my weird tittle to uh, Baker. So it was Jorg S. Baker. And uh, <laughs> and then he asked me, okay, I also want you to do some voiceover work for it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, because I know you're an actor and stuff and stuff. So I um, so I went to, uh, I was flown to, to the West Coast and did this completely bizarre uh, <laughs> uh, uh, voiceover session for two days where where we were I mean the script was crazy and it was completely mad and uh, and and we were I think I'm not sure if we were consciously embracing the sort of b-movie tone of it but you know the performances are notoriously uh, I mean what it could say pretty terrible um, <laughs> but I think it just added to the cult status yeah. and it fit fit the graphics amazingly well i mean it's like it had to be like this i mean it couldn't have been performed straight because it would have been weird and um uh and i remember that one day we were all sort of uh working away we had very few hours i mean the budget was minuscule for the whole thing and uh and there was this whole thing set in a warehouse and uh and uh, uh some sort of uh, uh with conveyor belts and stuff and uh and uh and uh and we were sort of uh, uh saying things like i forgot the characters names now now but like oh uh oh such and such is stuck in the in the in the belt conveyor oh did you look down the belt conveyor oh my god over there the belt conveyor and and sort of a few hours into this i go like uh i being the only foreigner in the room and all the others americans and i go like um so i guess what is a belt conveyor and they go yeah, it's the it's the thing in the in the warehouse, you know, the thing in the factory, you know, the kind of oh, f it should be conveyor belt, shouldn't it? <laughs> and so we had half an hour of recording time left, and so we all had to find, we all had to like flip through our pages. This was before, like, I mean, we all used paper, right? So we were, yeah. flip through our pages and find all the lines where belt conveyors were mentioned, script, <laughs> and then re-record them out of context. So now, so Lani Manella, who was directing the whole session. I remember going, okay, let's go. Okay, I found another one. And so everyone was like, oh, uh, hey, find such and such. And then conveyor belt uh, over there. And so, <laughs> so, so yeah, so and the game then came out. It became this this cult. And actually, like a quick shout out to, to my friend Dom, Dominic, who, who actually had a copy of the US version because I lost my original copy of it in the warehouse disaster. And actually, yeah. it's a stor storage disaster. And he, and he gave it to me and his to me, which was an incredibly precious thing because I, I do revisit it often now and actually actually managed to finish the game now and see my own weird face in it okay um, so that's a big memory and uh, and i miss him dearly yeah. he passed away two years after the game uh was released uh mm -hmm. shinya did and uh and uh, he was a dear friend yeah okay and so Jorg, let's take a quick break okay we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about uh your interesting career and we have a surprise for you after that break as well, okay? Oh, sweet. We'll be right back. They say the suit makes the man. What they don't tell you is which suit makes the dragon. Tired of taking off your pieces of clothing one by one like a normal person? Then Dojima Tearaway suits are perfect for you. 
our revolutionary state-of-the-art fabrics allow you to tear off all of your clothes with a simple hand movement. Need to take off your shirt without unbuttoning it and while wearing a jacket? Simple. Just wear a Dojima tearaway suit. For the man who has no time to wait when battling an enemy on a rooftop. Dojima tearaway suits. Disclaimer. Dojima tearaway suits include regular pants. Because no one wants to see what you look like down there. I mean, think of the children. Welcome back, Jorg. Welcome to the Sega Lounge. Ooh. Nice to be back. Just feels like we never left. No, um, no, I mean, it's like I'm still <laughs> sitting at the same desk. Um, you know, your pure listeners have to listen to lots of ads, you know. Exactly, yes. You're, yes. you're a rich man now. A, a lot of sponsors, yes. No, I'm, I'm loaded now. Yes, uh, I know. <laughs> so, Jorg, we have a tradition here on the show, which is to, you know, we, we have amazing guests, so we want people to feel welcomed. So I have something for you, which I call the Sega Lounge Challenge. Now that you know our guests, it's time to put them to the test. It's the moment we've waited for and the moment they dread. Welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, uh-oh, indeed. So what is the Sega Lounge Challenge? Well, this week, I thought to myself, well, this man is, is an amazing uh, games journalist, game developer. He knows a lot about the Dreamcast, obviously. He wrote for the Dreamcast magazine. But how well does he know the music to Dreamcast games? Let's go. Okay. Our challenge today is something I uh, called Dreamcast Sound Test. Okay. All right. So what I have here are 10 uh, ten, ten second long clips <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> of music from Dreamcast games. I would say iconic, but not all of them are, are that iconic, perhaps. I don't know. Some are iconic, some are not. I don't know. I don't know. They are all okay. numbered 1 to 10, so I will give you the privilege of picking, uh, you know, the numbers from 1 to 10 as we go along. So yeah, 10, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a complete fool of myself, of course, but... Uh, that, that's well, the, the whole point of this. That's the point. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> I, I'll start with number 10. I'll start with number 10. Okay. Okay. That's a good pick. So uh, I think it's reasonable to hope for five Sonic points. Adventure! No, okay, sorry. No, you haven't played it yet. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what if it is Sonic? <laughs> that, that would be People cool, will, will think this is rigged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Let's, let's take a listen. All right. Wow. <laughs> Crap, this is going to be a terrible start. I mean, it's it's some really bad Guns N' Roses-esque sort of guitar play in there. Don't blame me. You pick no, this I, one. Oh, God. I, don't, I have no idea what that is, man. Should I play it again? <sighs> yeah. Yeah? Let's do it. Okay. 
Is it like is it like dead or alive or something like that? Let Let's start with with genre. So what What do you think? What kind of game would this a song like this be uh, be in? I mean, it could be a really naff fighting game or a racing game, um, and I'm probably wrong in both counts. Right. Let's go no, to the latter uh, option then, and and okay, what do you think? Okay, it's a racing game, then, is it? Is it? I don't know. Help me out! Help me out! Let's say, let's say it's it's some sort of racing game. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Hypothetically, where would this fit on the Dreamcast library? Very low, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. <laughs> Like this sort of rock soundtrack. Oh, dude, I don't know, man. It's just it's really not my my style. But it's I mean it's, I mean it's funny because like I mean if this if this was a Sega title itself, which I'm not sure it is, but if this was mm -hmm. a Sega made one, then of course the Sonic sound the Sega sound team had a whole variety of stuff, and sometimes they also made some pretty you know uh, naff things. As well, mm -hmm. um, which mm -hmm. this might be, but I don't know. I think I think I'm gonna have to say I, I have no clue. Help me out, please. So, uh, uh, sorry, I can't give you any more clues. Yes, uh, but you can you can try th something. Just give me a name, maybe you'll get it. <laughs> so, is it a racing game? It involves uh, vehicles. Yes. Oh, it involves vehicles. Uh. <laughs> Is it a racing uh, game? It, it it is a racing game. Yes. It okay. Is. Well, then you have to you, you're gonna have to tell me this one because otherwise this show will be three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> so any any kind of guess no. here? No, no, nothing, nothing at all. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. So nothing the answer nothing. here is this is indeed um, a Sega game. Yeah. In uh, it's called Eighteen Wheeler. Oh, American Jesus. pro you know, trucker. <laughs> I never actually played eighteen wheeler. Never. Um, Me neither. I'll be honest. Uh, okay. I I would love to though because I I I I saw some footage of it back in the day and I think this would be a fun game to play. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the I think the, I think I would have played eighteen wheeler if it was more like cluster truck or something like that, where where you actually get to sort of destroy things by crashing yeah. into them. You know, use the crazy taxi engine and. Give me a big truck. But this was it Snake Snakey Bus? Did you play that? That's a pretty cool game. It's uh, it's on um no. on Steam. It's called Snakey Bus. And you're this yeah. I think it's called Snakey Bus. And you're just uh, a little bus and you uh and and when you and the more you drive through the town, the longer you get. So in the end you become this massive ass snake and you have to try to <laughs> not not crash. So it's a it's a combination of snake, the game snake, and yeah. and a and a crazy taxi like bus. It's awesome. You should play it. Awesome. Um yeah, so Anyway, but I never no, played no. 18 Wheeler, and I apologize to the composer. Uh, I'm sure it's someone <laughs> absolutely fantastic, but it, 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 it's, it's, I was it's of its time. Looking it's of its for time. that um, Tatsutoshi Narita. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not familiar no with this name. Oh, he did a lot of stuff. Oh, worked on Fantasy like, uh, Star 4, Propeller Arena, Dayton USA, Virtual Fighter 2, Saturn version. Hmm. Yeah. You know, okay. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Sweet. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for that. That's amazing, amazing track. Uh, so, yeah. 
yeah, like we said. So, ten, number 10, no points. No points. Next one, next one. Uh, we're, Belgique, we're aiming for five. Zero point. Uh, zero five. point. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, we're, five. We're, we're aiming for five points. You want to go with five, number five, track number Let's five? Let's go number five. Let's go number five. Okay, so this is totally different. Let's take a mm. listen. And again, this. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same thing. So think about where this would fit. What kind of game this kind of song would would fit in? I, I know this. I know this thing. God damn it! What is this? I, thing? I I you you most definitely know this game. Oh man! Just give me one hint, man. One hint. Um, mm. this is like a, a groovy song, right? So like a mm, oh funky funky song. No, it's not. Should I, should I play it again while you yeah. think about it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. It's it's it's, uh, it's you said groovy, and it, you sent me off on this tangent because it actually strangely also has a bizarrely similar beat to the first Earthworm Jim. Um. Who always always nope. annoyingly said groovy, and groovy. It, um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but of course this, this is not. And now this, I can only... this would be uh, my hint for this track is this would be nice if you went around um, the streets of Japan and and did stuff. Well, it's not Shenmue, is it? I don't know. I'm I'm actually waiting for for the answer. I, I don't know. Was there a I... moment in Shenmue where this kind of thing would have played? Because I mean, I mean, of course, I mean, when I think of Shenmue, I think of la da 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 da. So um, would would this fit Shenmue? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you walk into a sort of club uh, or, um, but no, streets of Japan. I'm clearly wrong with Shenmue. Um, maybe not. Big... Maybe not Shenmue. Yeah. Uh, no, um, Streets of Japan going around in them. <sighs> Listening to uh, beats, to some funky beats. What, it's not just at radio. It's, uh, it's not. So, yeah. is it? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm waiting for your answer. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible, see? So, so I was completely <laughs> unqualified for this uh, official Dreamcast magazine uh, writing gig. Good thing tell. there was no music in magazines. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I know this track. And it's like, oh, it's, it's, not, it's not Metropolis Street Racer, no. Uh, uh, so, running around the streets of Japan, a Japanese mm -hmm. city, maybe listening mm -hmm. to some beats. <laughs> yeah. And this is... <laughs> this is from your answer, please. I don't know. It's not Metropolis Street Racer, it, it, which had some really cool. What? What did you say before? Shenmue. No, the uh, other one. Oh, I said another one, did I? You, you did before Metropolis Street Racer. Uh, starts with a J. Oh, just at radio. That's correct. Well done. Is it? Well done. It is Jet Set Radio. This is Miller Ball Breakers by the Avid Soul, um, part of the, the, the soundtrack to Jet Set Radio. 
Weird. I don't remember listening to this track ever in this. Do you? Do you know what I level do, this I is do. in? This is, this is probably my favorite track from Chester Radio. That's why it's here. Yeah. Where, where, is, where is it in the game? Um, when, when you're, you know, as I said, running around the streets of Tokyo, I think this plays in several different, uh, you know, uh, parts of town. You have different hmm. levels, right? Different neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, I think the first time, the, the one I associate with this more is like, I think the one like the, um, that has the subway and, and stuff. I think that's the one that I remember this from. But I think it plays in other, because, you know, we have like, but of course you, 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 you said, you, said radio, horribly, right? you horribly sent me off track though, because you said Tokyo and it's not in Tokyo, is it? It's Tokyo. It is to- in Tokyo. So. Tokyo. To- okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, so, <laughs> you, know, you put me okay. into the real. You, told, okay. you, you put me into the real Japan here. That, yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good. As point. opposed to the heightened, you know, it's, it's, just, it's horrible, horrible what you did there to me. Anyway, but but you, <laughs> you got a point. You got a point. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. I have a point. It's cool. good. It's good. Number okay. six. Number six. Number six. Please. Let's take yeah. a listen to number six. Very happy, very cheery. Well, that's, that's definitely Sega, though, isn't it? It is. This is Sega. Through and through. Uh, is it in a Sonic game? I don't know. Could be. It, I think it's in a Sonic game. So, well, I don't know. So you have, like, three options. <laughs> yeah. Um, Since it's, it Sonic, it's the Dreamcast. Is it Sonic Adventure? Is that your final answer? Why not? Good, because it is Sonic Adventure. (laughs) This was uh, Join Us for Happy Time, the Chow Race theme from Sonic Adventure. Yeah, Yeah. I could definitely see a little jumping chows to that one. Sweet. Okay, good. Very, very cheery. Okay, so 10, 5, 6. Yeah, yeah. So let's go from to 7. 7. Okay, let's go with 7. Completely different. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, this is not a Sega game. If no. you, I'm giving you a clue here. I have absolutely no clue, though. What kind of game do you think, you know, this would play in? Some sort of um, RPG-esque thing? Probably, right? Uh, Skies of Arcadia. No, um, is it? Um, I, I would accept it, but that's Sega, so no. It is Sega, isn't it? Yeah. That's Sega, so I, I'll, I'll give you another try. Okay. Fun fact, the, 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 the title of this song is Portuguese. The lyrics are in Portuguese, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I'm Portuguese, so that's how I know. And, yes. But they are... Sung by a Japanese lady, so so you, you you know you can guess that it doesn't really sound like Portuguese at all. Yeah, uh, I mean you know you've got some amazing Japanese sort of Portuguese and sort of samba inspired composer. I mean, Yun Miyake, for instance, is an incredible mm-hmm. composer, and he 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 works with real Portuguese singers though. Um, that's the difference. Um, 
but uh, but this particular song, oh god, uh, I have no idea. Um, so think about a um, a popular, you know, I think well known RPG for the Dreamcast, not developed or published by Sega. And um, Grandia Two was it? That is a Dreamcast RPG, not published or developed by Sega. Let's go for Grandia 2. Are you sure? Yep. Final answer? Yep. Ah, that is oh. correct, actually. Yeah. Oh, are you fast? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is wow. Grandia 2. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. I want to roll here. Canção do Povo, which is like the people's song. Okay. Mm, Good nice. job. Good job. Okay. Just Three because points. I'm now on it. Yeah, I'm on this like winning streak here. I'm going to go for eight, just because we're close eight. to... Yeah. Okay, let's take a list. I, I think you know this one. Oh my God, what is that? I do know this for sure. This is Sega. This is so Dreamcast that it hurts. Is it Sonic Team? It's not, right? Can you tell me that? Uh, can I tell you that? I, I don't think I can. Oh. W w would it make a difference? Yeah. Why? Well, if it doesn't, why'd you tell me? <laughs> what, if, what if it <laughs> was Sonic Team? What, what would you say this game was well then i'd be a little bit closer to like whittling it down to a few titles so wouldn't i <laughs> <laughs> so let's say hypothetically this is sonic team okay is it choo choo rocket is it i think it might be so should i lock it in Yep. Are you sure? I don't know. It's the rhythm of it, the beat that is a bit choo choo. Should, should I play it again? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Let's take a listen then. Yes, it's choo choo rocket. Is it though? I don't know, man. I probably failed, but. <laughs> It is Choo Choo Rocket, yes! Oh, yes. <laughs> wow, I'm surprising myself here. That's not too bad. I mean, it's been it's been many years since I've played Choo Choo Rocket. Although I did I did recently play the Game Boy Advance version, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's pretty good but, as well. But that track <laughs> isn't in there, I don't think. No. Oh, this was the challenge mode theme. Whew, all right, yeah. cool. Okay, so four points with uh -huh. five tracks played. Not not that bad. So just one more, and you'll get the five points we need. So all right, ten, well, let's go for nine. Five, nine, okay, yeah. okay, nine, nine. It is. Mm -hmm. Is it Shenmue? I'm gonna play it again. 
thing is, it feels the keyboard stringy things sound a bit too fake for Shenmue because it was better orchestrated, I thought. So I'm, I'm maybe off track. This is not a Sega game. Um, uh, this is not a Sega game. Um, I don't know. Genre, I mean, it, it must be something dramatic, story-driven. Mm-hmm. You could say that. Because I, 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 re I really, really, really want, to, want you to get this one. I'm going to give you a clue. Yeah. I, I heard somewhere from someone that there were belt conveyors in this game. Oh, jeez. This is from Illbleed. <laughs> it is, yes. Wow. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> yeah. that's why I really, really wanted you to and, get this one. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Well, it's, 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 I mean, as I, as I said, uh, and it's funny we talked about the lack of budget earlier. Yes, that's why they don't have real strings in this. Um, <laughs> so this, was yeah. the, this is the main title. The credits version of the main title of Illbleed. Yeah. Is it? That's it. It is. It is. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Why did I not know that? I don't know. It's not, yeah. it's not, incred it's not incredibly memorable. If, if It's quite generic. Sound, it, it's just 10 seconds long. So, you know, it, it's not yes. enough time to remember. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. Good. I um, made it. Right? 10, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Shall we play a few more? Just so you can get sure, the, the other ones? Yeah. So, sure. Let's, let's, let's do two more. Let's do one. Yeah. For example, this is yeah, not a sure. Sega game. Let's try this one. Oh so the clue is, it's a fighting game. And not uh, a Sega fighting game, either. It's, it's not Soul Calibur, because it's too... Jumpy, you know? Mm hmm Is it Power Stone? Is it? Maybe. It is. Yes, it's yeah. Power Stone. This is Player Select from Power Stone. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Okay, so let's just do one more. So we have two, three, four. Yeah, two, three, four. Which one do you want? Um, Three. No, three. Not right in the middle right there. Okay, yeah. three. Uh, Samba de Amigo? <laughs> Could be. <But> no. <laughs> Prob but no. Probably isn't. <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, it's a racing game. Da, 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 da. Is it? Sega racing game. <laughs> oh, God. On Dreamcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With that weird tropical sound. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Do you have any sort of other hints? It's, it's funny how sometimes, you know, thinking about the, the genre of the game and the music combined doesn't, you know, doesn't work because this definitely doesn't seem to fit the, the genre of game, right? So no. this, is, this is from... Uh, the, the track is called King of Island. King of Ireland. Yeah. Does that help somehow? 
King of Ireland. No. Um, no. Uh, is it a good game? It is. It's well regarded, at least. Hmm. It's um, a sequel. Really? Some people, I think, like the original better. But... Well, it's not Sega Rally. Two. Um, it can't be. Okay, help me. What is it? Why? Why can't it be? Why can't it be? It can't be. Is it? It is. Yes. <laughs> Sega is that Rally it? Two. Is yes, King of Island. Yeah. Where, where the hell is that hor horrible track in Sega Rally 2? <laughs> this was composed, this specific track was composed by Hideki Naganuma, so the composer Whoop. of uh, Jets of Radio as well. Oh, okay. So... How weird. Well, uh, I think he was the wrong man for that project. I love his work, <laughs> he... but uh, it really doesn't fit Sega Rally's world for me at all, but... Yeah, uh, strange. It's not a great Sega Rally, though. Is it? I mean, the Sega Rally on on Saturn is the first you know, one, right? Is the is unbeatable, you know? Yeah, yeah. Still, for possibly some, the best racing some, game ever made. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say that for some, you know, the best racing game ever created. Okay, so anyway, uh, York, good job. You got at least the five points that we needed. So that means you get our official. Sega Lounge seal of approval, which I will send to you by email. Uh, it is a real thing. Uh, wow. You, can, you, you have the honor of keeping this to yourself. And, you know, just... You can brag about it if you want. So is it like well, crypto art? Like, can I, can I sell that? <laughs> uh, it's, I'm not sure if it's going to, uh, you know, if it's going to be worth anything. But, you know, okay. at least you can... Whenever someone, you know, you know, you're trying to make small talk or something. Oh, you do you know I I got the, the Sega Launch seal of approval. Yeah, that always works as a nice. Yeah, break. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm married, but otherwise I would have really used this as a as a sort of you know pickup as line, a pickup you know? line. <laughs> yeah, I think that get older, that get that get them all. But, Amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, fantastic. but th cool, thank cool. you, well, thank I you for taking part. Yeah, well, I think I've, I've, I'm, I'm quite quite proud of myself. I think I did it right there. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't easy. So yeah. we, we've talked about uh, your work in the official Dreamcast magazine. Let's let's talk a little bit about your company now. So you're um, the director of, and I'm not sure if I'm going to say this okay, but Oifi, is it? Yeah, it is Oifi. Yeah, I'm, Oifi? I'm, I'm okay. together with Alex, uh, my partner in Wife and Crime, or was it the other, other way around? Uh, we, uh, yeah, we founded this company in 2011 and we've done lots of plays and, 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 and some films and short and long films and, uh, comic book and other stuff in, in, in between. And I'm currently producing her next feature, uh, which, uh, is, uh, an adaptation of Franz Schubert's, um, Winterreise, which was his last, uh, beautiful, uh, piece of music before he died at the tender age of 31. And, uh, and, uh, Winter's Journey, it's a song cycle. And, um, and so John Malkovich is in the cast and, uh, and, uh, Martina Gadek from The Lives of Others and a bunch of other fantastic actors. And, um, and yeah, and it's going to be a film that's going to be filmed with actors in a studio and then, uh, animated and painted on top, frame by frame by the team behind Loving Vincent, the Oscar nominated film based on Van Gogh's. 
mm-hmm. wonderful uh, work. And so it's a it's an incredible collaboration, an incredible piece of art that uh, that she's crafting. And so I'm really chuffed to be working on that with such amazing actors and things. So that's that's one of the things we're doing. Um, yeah, and then. Uh, also currently adapting um, a graphic novel of mine um, that came out in 2014, uh, a book called Ricky Rouse Has a Gun that's being adapted into an animated film. Uh, so I'm, I'm directing that uh, slowly but surely, putting it together, and it's going to be pretty sweet. And uh, and the thing that's going to come out first of all those things will be uh, a game that has only just been announced three days ago. Um, well, it will have been announced three days ago by the time this when show this comes When this airs? Out. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, because we're actually recording this before. It's crazy. It's like time travel, man. It, it, um, yeah. It's, it's and, the pandemic. Time doesn't so do you, matter anymore. So do you want to step into the time machine? Do you want to click on that secret link that I just sent you and look at the teaser trailer for it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Ooh, this looks nice. I'm very intrigued. I love the art style. Thank you. The Last Worker. Dispatching 2022. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're gonna you're gonna have to give me more than this. <laughs> I need to know more. <laughs> I won't give you much. I won't give you much. But uh, one thing I, I really encourage is is for your um, uh, listeners to pick up the May issue of Edge Magazine because there's a two page spread about it um, mm-hmm. in there. Or by the time the show is out, there will have been a two page spread in it because it's only coming out <laughs> at the end of the month. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a game, man. Um, <laughs> so it's I, a, what what can what can we tell from looking at the teaser trailer alone? Uh, it it looks great. Yeah, um, I mean, you you first of all, your listeners will be able to watch the trailer. Uh, the mm-hmm. easiest thing is to either, I mean, they, of course, they can Google the Last Worker game or something and will come up. But they can also go to thelastworker.com uh, we're going to uh, leave a link in the show notes as well so that's awesome it. yeah uh, and then, then they'll see the trailer on there but yeah it's a, it's a, it's a it's a game i've been sort of uh, it's been a dream of mine to put this together for for a few years and then uh, last year we finally got the team and 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 money and partners together um, to do it and to do it right and um, mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm working with um, with uh, uh, Wolf and Wood, which is an amazing team up in Newcastle, run by Ryan and uh, and a bunch of other very talented guys, and uh, and and yes, I'm working along with Ryan on on this game, uh, and uh, and it's uh, and he is one of the pioneers in virtual reality, actually. So he made a game uh, uh, which uh, which was 
part of the sort of Oculus sort of uh, DK1 prior to the Rift even world from day one uh, called A Chair in a Room. And then he made the Exorcist VR game after that. And, and he made this fantastic game called Hotel R&R, which is also on PSVR. So he's very much a, 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 a VR pioneer. And this game is going to be a VR title and also on on traditional, so to speak, consoles. So next-gen mm-hmm. systems is going to be on PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and also on Switch yeah. uh, and PC. And uh, yeah, and so we're, uh, it's a it, narrative. Is, yeah, I was going to ask that. So it's going to be story-driven, right? So a story-driven experience. It is story-driven, but it also has really, really immersive and really physical uh, uh, and dare I say almost sometimes arcadey gameplay, but I don't want to give too much away because there's going to be quite a few drops throughout the year because it's coming out early next year. So, I, you know, uh, until the release and this is, you know, Wired uh, Productions, my uh, publisher, um, they've also made games like Grip and uh, The Falconeer and Xbox Series X launch title and things mm-hmm. like that. And they, um, they're, they will have, by the time you listen to the show, hosted an event on the 29th of March called the Wired Direct. And, uh, and uh, the last worker will have been, uh, <laughs> or was, <laughs> has been the last title that they announced at the event. And so, uh, so yeah, so they that was the sort of mic drop at the end was mm-hmm. this uh, teaser that um, you've just seen um, in this uh, time machine that we're recording. And in. and everyone went wild. I have to say, uh, everyone it was amazing. Went crazy. Yes. Everyone, everyone. Yes, the, the, the tectonic plates shifted, and the world will never be the same again. But at, at this point, I will have been there watching, uh, and, and it was amazing. That's right. well. <laughs> Yeah, but but thanks. Yeah, the art style is actually the art style is is gorgeous because it's uh, I've I've been really lucky to work with uh, one of the greatest comic book artists in the world, um, a guy called Nick McMahon, and Nick McMahon is um, is the guy who actually did drew the first Judge Dredd comic uh, back in mm-hmm. the day, for instance. So he's a uh, he's a he's a real uh, real veteran of the world and one of the great artists, living comic book artists out there, and so. Uh, Mick has never um, never been the de facto uh, sort of lead concept artist on a game like this, um, mm-hmm. or especially a game of this size. He has worked in, in around games uh, a couple of times in his life, uh, and definitely left a mark. But this is this is one where I wanted to like fully honor his style visually, and uh, yeah. So so we're we're um, yeah, we're, we're yeah making nice progress. I, I how how like what you're seeing so far. How faithful is this to the 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 art style in game? Uh, you know, completely in game. Completely, yeah. This is all in game. So what you're looking okay. at in the in the trailer is uh, is all in game. It's all in engine. So yeah, yeah. So we're we have some pretty cool shaders and uh, that we exactly. created for this, which are pretty gorgeous. And especially on the Quest, which is a essentially a mobile phone chip. Um, and, uh, but it's, we're, we're squeezing some pretty incredible stuff out of that little device, which I love, by the way, I'm, uh, you know, uh, whatever one might think of, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg and, uh, and the, uh, Facebook empire, um, the <laughs> Oculus quest, um, uh, and the quest two is just a, an absolute genius device. And, uh, and it's a great gaming device. And actually in some ways it gives me, the feels the way the Dreamcast did actually, um, you know, playing games like Res uh, Infinite, you know, uh, mm-hmm. 
makes me feel like oh you know the, the or or even space channel which which five which is not as good of course as uh, it, uh, it's uh, a little bit different was. yeah but res infinite is 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 absolutely brilliant of course and mm -hmm. and 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 if you talk to mizuguchi san and, and other people you know that even back in the dreamcast days they were already experimenting with early vr and not only that but sega uh of course had the sega vr headset that they unveiled yes. in 1993 um <laughs> Uh, speaking of time machines, I, I like to sometimes think about what it would be like to live in a world in which Sega was actually the sort of biggest tech company. Mm -hmm. You know, they were bigger than Google, yeah. uh, bigger than Facebook. How cool would that be to live in a Sega world? You know, <laughs> things would be a little bit uh, less you know less dystopian i think more uh, more blue skies most more blue skies yeah exactly yeah. you know listen to <laughs> you know we'd all be listening to the outram soundtrack you know oh, we turn on the yeah. news you know how cool <laughs> would that be um yeah so but, so uh, do you think do you think um v was was vr the 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 main platform while you were you know devising this this plan of developing this game yeah i mean was that I, the main I, focus I, I, yes, I, I would. I would say so. I mean, it's hard to, for me to say it's the main one. I, I think it's the. To me, it's the ultimate expression of interactive mm -hmm. storytelling. Is is in VR for sure. Uh, uh, there, there's nothing that makes you be inside the game more literally, but also you know, uh, in more ways than one. I mean, to, to be able to physicalize a story. Uh, and to be within that is is, is immense, and uh, and that's something that that holding a joypad won't won't do. But at the same time, uh, you know, we'll be doing things on the Switch, for instance, with the Joy Cons that are very very close. For uh, and and then on on the next gen systems, we'll be doing things sort of graphically and sound wise and things that that are not able not possible on other systems. And uh, uh, so it's I think every system has its strengths. Uh, uh, you know, and, and listen, I, I, I was inside the body and character in Firewatch uh, uh, due to the incredible storytelling um, as much as I, as I am in a, in, a, in a VR game, if not more, because it was so well written and because the music was beautiful and all these things. So, I, you know, but um, there are certain things that we'll be doing in VR that people haven't done before. And also, we're also learning things from the VR experience that uh, that we are putting into the flat, so to speak, uh, games that hasn't been done in, in flat games before, and so I'm yeah I, I think all the all the different mediums and and, and devices are t teaching each other new things and inspiring yeah, each sure. other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I love them all. I mean, I mean, I mean, I've, I've spent more times during this pandemic uh, playing games on a GBA, for instance, or. You know, or on a sort of a Game Boy SP than than on or, or the Dreamcast for that matter than on next gen systems. So, to me, it really is not about having the latest in tech in order to join a game at all. You know, and as I said, mm -hmm. the Quest is not is not a super powerful device graphically. It is though because it has to be able to throw you know at, at least 70 frames a second and actually now it's at least 90 uh, frames a second on each eyeball um you know while while also tracking your body's movements in relation to the space and stuff like that so it's an incredible thing but of course if you were to take a still from that and compare it to your latest ray traced realistic whatever thing then, uh, then people will go oh graphics are good the graphics are amazing <laughs> Actually, and that's what I love. It's like you have graphics that are actually closer in spirit to the abstract and um, and sort of original and, and crazy graphics that you had on, on in the Dreamcast days. Except that now you're living inside of them, and I love that. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. 
awesome. So we can expect this game to drop in 2022, right? Yes, yes. Or to dispatch, dispatch. Yeah, that there, yeah. there is. By the time the show is out at the beginning of April, uh, people will be able to go to thelastworker.com and that and that will give them a little bit more of a clue than the teaser. They'll be able to see the teaser okay. and then and they'll see some art on the site and uh, and uh, yeah and and then uh, hope and then and then they'll be able to wonder and they'll tell them absolutely nothing more and then uh, <laughs> and then at some point I will. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So you'll you'll have to come back. Uh, when the game is is closer to being launched, to talk a little bit more about it, I would be absolutely delighted to do so. Uh, it would be awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by this now. So yeah, I w I won't stop bugging you to to come back. <laughs> awesome. Well, please, please, please do. I, I I really look forward to it, and I hope people will love it. I think they will. I think they will. We're pouring a lot of passion into it. And it's going to be beautiful. Excellent. So Jorg, um, it's been a. a, a you know, an absolute pleasure having you on on the lounge, uh, talking to you. You're you're you know, I like guests that tell stories, so that was awesome. Thank you very much well, for for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real joy. I mean, to me, you know, Sega has always been uh, uh, a a a uh, thing to tell stories around and to experience stories in. And what I've always liked about them as well as a company. Uh, is that they are so wonderfully unpretentious about it as well. I think their games were always, there was a purity, and there still is, there's a purity to, to, to those titles, uh, all of them, and, and, and the great artists that came out of it. I mean, you know, we mentioned Sega Rally earlier, and uh, to think what, uh, what Mizuguchi as a producer and Kenji Sasaki as a director and all these people did uh, is, is immense. Uh, you know, I mean, Outrun to this day is uh, still better than any of its sequels. And, and, and whatever new device you put that on, it just keeps like, it just keeps showing how incredibly timeless it is. It's like, mm -hmm. and it's, there are very few games like that out there actually that are, uh, that have this spirit and that have this level of execution uh, I mean, playing, you know, I really recommend to everyone, who, whoever has a 3DS, uh, should really get Outrun on that because it's the ultimate version of that game. And to the to a point where it's also simulating the cabinet's move, motions and movements and stuff and all that kind of stuff. You could even hear the cabinet sounds in it. Um, it's so awesome. Uh, and uh, and then um, this will is a difficult get for people, but if they want to, um, there's a new the new GGLS. Uh, three um, that was made by M2, the same team that that mm -hmm. ported Outrun to um, to three S, for instance, or did it that also we did fabulous. all the the Sega Ages titles for the yes. Switch as well, the three D classics, yeah, the, the, the yes. kings of ports. Oh, they are amazing, yeah. But the Alest is an original, as a yeah. new Alest original game mm -hmm. for the for the for which you could get on PS4 and Switch in Japan. Those are they're not region locked, so you can actually order. Order it uh, from like Amazon Japan if you want to go for the evil empire um, <laughs> and uh, make Mr. Bezos even richer. Um, but uh, but they also released it on Game Gear Micro, and, exactly. uh, which I have, and it's just so lovely. Um, Do you have all anyway, of them or just that one? Uh, three of them. I have three the blue them, okay. and the black one, yeah, as well. Um, and this little off gray off white one with ls3 on it um and it's a, and it's what i was gonna say about it, it's a great game it's actually a great new game new game but uh it's but which has learned from all the shoot 'em ups in the last in the two three decades since 
but still is actually programmed for Game Gear. And mm-hmm. and it's something really quite, again, time travel. It feels magical. It feels like you're playing a game that you feel you would have you would have played back then, but would have been wouldn't have been possible back then um, uh, to make because they've mm-hmm. learned so much along the way. Uh, it's it's lovely. So so hopefully my game will make people feel uh, gorgeous. It's not retro at all, as you saw in style. It's a it's a yeah. new thing. It's forward thinking, but um, um, yeah, the Sega yeah, spirit hopefully has inspired. Hopefully, it, as well. it, yes, exactly has inspiration from from those times. Awesome. So next yeah. time you're you're here, we're going to talk about the game, and I'm going to ask you more questions about you know your feelings for Sega because I I feel like you have a lot more to add to this. So a lot more, a lot more. Let, and I, I let's also do look that. Forward, also, feel free to also drop my um, my Twitter handle and stuff on the in the description and things. I'll be happy to talk to people we'll do. more about we'll it do. On, uh, on there. All Excellent. Right? So I'm going to ask you one last question that I ask all of my guests, York. So you are probably familiar with the concept of blast processing? Yes, of course. Yeah. So if you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be and why? Uh, I'd add blast processing to uh, Boris Johnson's pants and send him in outer space. (laughs) Okay. That's an answer. <laughs> Very good. You asked. Very good. You asked. I asked, exactly. <laughs> That's one of the most original answers I've got uh, in, in uh, six years or so. So, yeah. Uh, Jorg, thank you very much for coming on the Sega Lounge. Um, all the best for The Last Worker. Let's uh, keep in touch, okay? And, and please come back to talk more about your game. Thanks, Matt. I look forward to it. Excellent. See you soon. Take care. Check out the links for The Last Worker's website, Twitter account, and the teaser video in the show notes and let Jorg know your thoughts on it. Tell him I sent you. That said, a big thank you to Jorg Tittle for his time. I can't wait to have him back on the show to talk more about Sega and The Last Worker. Before we go, I'd like to let you know that Podchaser's Reviews for Good campaign is back for a second year. If you're not familiar with Podchaser, it's a podcast directory and review site. Last year, they encouraged people to leave reviews for podcasts and or podcast episodes on their website, podchaser.com, and for each review, they would donate a certain amount for Meals on Wheels. They're doing it again this year, and each review means 25 cents will be donated to Meals on Wheels, America's Go Further Fund. Not only that, but they will double that amount every time a podcaster replies to a review. So if you'd like to contribute, just go to podchaser.com slash thesegalounge and review our podcast or any particular episode that you liked. Maybe this one. I promise I will reply to every single review that we get and that way we can help people in a small but meaningful way. Thank you very much for listening to The Sega Lounge this week. I hope you'll join me again next time for more Sega Love 
and feel free to follow the podcast on all the usual places for up-to-date news on future episodes and other interesting stuff I'm currently cooking. Have a wonderful week, stay safe, and I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye! The Sega Lounge, hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opusciencecollective.bandcamp.com. Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to podcast at thesegalounge.com. Follow us on Twitter at thesegalounge and like us at facebook.com slash thesegalounge. You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Mixed on Productions podcast.